Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold, and today is a great day to get into God's Word, which we're going to do. I always hope that when you come to the afternoon show, you're going to grow in your faith and your understanding. You're going to grow closer to the Lord. You will uh, realize that there is no truth except in Him and His Word. In John, it says, Jesus answered, Very truly, I say to you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. I love those words. And my friend, to get things started, is Patrick Albanese, my confidant and uh, colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Hello, Patrick. Hello. You know, are, are you exhausted from the big Super Bowl Sunday? Well, I didn't watch it, so I think I watched ten minutes of the game and I saw one commercial. That was it. Wow. Yeah, but that's why I quoted the verse um, out of John chapter three and verse five. You know, flesh gives birth to flesh and spirit to spirit, and um, you know, it's we live in such an incredible, flawed, broken world, and I think much of the worldliness was on display when it comes to the Super Bowl, because, I don't know, in excess of 110 million people watch it. And do you know how much money was spent yesterday in total on one football game? Uh, Take a guess. A lot? Well, what else? Is this just, you know, on the ads? Or you just mean like on like people? Well, how know, much money uh, is spent collectively as an aggregate on everything to every Super Bowl party? Uh, yeah. I, I'm gonna, you know, I had ten people. If I had ten people over and I bought our d'oeuvres and pizzas, I mean, the sum total of everything. It's a big uh, it's number. It's got to be billions. It's got to be billions. Then. Yeah, it's got to be I, billions. If you say. I heard north of fourteen billion dollars. Now, in honor hang and on. celebration of one game. Yeah. Now, eleven dollars of that is mine. From what? Eleven dollars. <laughs> From what? <laughs> Well, it wasn't actually for, for Super Bowl stuff, but it was money I spent. Just it happened to be during the Super Bowl. <laughs> what did you I, buy? I think I ordered a, a couple of fresh decks of cards online to practice okay. magic tricks. <laughs> Does that count as Super Bowl spending? I don't know. If I, I, don't think, think you know. I, thought, so. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, $14 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, well, you know, it was it was, it was was a fun game. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I used to live for this stuff. I... We, I wasn't, you know, I didn't mind stepping away. I missed a lot of commercials. I missed chunks of the game. You know, I, of course, know the kind of people that uh, if they don't already have a TV in every room, and I mean, you know, <laughs> bathrooms, bedrooms, kitchens, hallways, so that, you know, they, they, they sort of play like a tag team kind of thing. As they're moving away from one TV, their eyes are looking at that TV so they don't have to play, and then they... They, they set up the next TV where it'll be in view of where the other TV starts to go out of view <laughs> so they can just direct their gaze mm-hmm. down that hallway and then they make their way into the kitchen and they haven't they don't miss a thing. Yeah. They don't miss a thing. And I feel yeah. like, boy, they sure have us here because all they're doing is selling. It's it's just a four-hour celebration, celebration of... Sale-abration, yeah, right. 
Yeah, there you know the the football game is there to su- is supported by the ads, which are there to hopefully sell potato chips. Yeah, that seems seems to be true. Who won the Super Bowl last year? Uh, was the Ram was the Rams last year? Okay, well, good. I'm glad you were able to come up with that. Right. Now, you didn't bother asking me about the 1985 football season uh, and the 1986 uh, Super Bowl. I didn't. Uh, just a, a small little matter over the Chicago Bears over the New England Patriots by a, a a slightly, a pretty close game at 46 to 10. Pretty close. Okay. Yeah. And of course, you being a, a native Chicagoan, you loved that year, didn't you? I did. It, yeah. was, it was a lot of fun. You know? yeah. uh, and I, yeah, I was obviously a tad younger and, uh, you know, football was just, I think it's still, you know, I know you and I have talked about this in the past. One of the things that draws people to sports, I think more now than just your average entertainment fair is it's still unpredictable. You don't know how it's going to end. And, you know, you start to watch a lot of shows and movies these days uh, I get accused all the time uh, in this household, you've seen this movie before because I'll say, well, here's what's going to happen and this will happen and this will happen. And they'll say, well, you've seen it. I said, no, I, have, I haven't seen it, but I, I, can, <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can see where it's going to go. Uh-huh. And I could not have written yesterday's script for that football game. So I think that's why people like sports still. You're seeing people at the top of their, you know, top of their profession. We all like to watch anybody who's good at what they do. I think I think we enjoy that. You know, we watch America's Got Talent because we want to see people just uh, stun us mm-hmm. with their with their singing voice or with whatever it is they do. And uh, um, you know, football is certainly that. We see people at the top of their game, and um, uh, you know, that's fun. And we don't know how it's going to end. That so, is true I'm, when it comes to sports. There is a winner and a loser to every match or every game, and then you have. Um, and you have that unpredictability. You don't know who's going to win or lose and yeah, anything can and, happen. So that's what kind of makes it interesting. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I think of biblical stories. You kind of think of, you know, they've, they've, they used to use biblical references all the time, you know, David versus Goliath. Uh, I, we don't see that too much anymore, you know, in sports. Cause it's very rarely would they put David in, in, a, in a ring with Goliath. They'd say, I mm-hmm. just don't think people will watch that. Uh, but we do. We still make those comparisons. We, we we like to root for the underdog. Why do we automatically like to root for the underdog? What what is it that is inherent in us? Is it part of that heritage that um, we you know we we deal in this life with so many difficult things? We want to know that we can overcome them because we feel like we're the underdog. And with God on our side, we overcome these things. We overcome death. Uh, I, th- I think there's maybe some tie-in with that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm pontificating here. Yeah. And Rosie was telling me before the show, I think you were uh, agreeing that there was uh, some Christ-focused advertisements, some Jesus-focused advertisements on the Super Bowl. Yeah. I did not I think s- I- obviously just heard, just heard about it, didn't see it. Yeah, I think it's a an organization. It's called He Gets Us. You've you've probably seen their ads before. Mm-hmm, I have, but the fact that they ran one uh, during the Super Bowl, and yeah, I, I it's it's interesting because you can take to social media, and then there might be people that say, "Well, I'm not really really sure I'm a fan of their approach." You know, uh, they're they're very powerful ads. I know that, and sometimes I have to you know think back to you go, well, what gets people on the path to God? And you, you don't know what it's going to be. You know, for That's some true. people, it's hitting rock bottom. 
is is often the thing, and that's just it's terrible. But then you talk to that person years later, and they say that's what got me on the path. So it's what it took, and you know maybe seeing a, a very powerful Super Bowl ad is just enough to get somebody who's at that point. I had a conversation recently with a friend, and he said, you know, somebody asked me you know, how many converts have I made? And he said, I, you know, if I was going to be honest, I'd say zero. I have no idea. And I was like, well, I mean, you're, A, you can't really keep a track record of that. That's not the kind of thing you do. I said, but, you know, you might be voice number seven mm-hmm. in a series of dozens or hundreds of voices that that person needs to hear before they're ready for the message. Mm-hmm. But your voice is an important, it, it's in there, it, you, you, it's needed. Voice number seven is important. Yes, you know, you know, you're not you're not claiming victories anywhere. It's you're just doing what God asked you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. To celebrate, I had a speaking event this uh, weekend, and there was a gospel presentation that I gave, and there was uh, two men that said, "I want to make this uh, first time decision tonight." And one guy jumped on his feet. I didn't even ask anybody to get on their feet. He just stood up, and I said, "Whoa!" I said that. That is the Holy Spirit in your life that, have, yeah. that has stood you up and put you on your feet. And another guy got up right. as well and said, well, I want to do it as well. And it was interesting. Wow. After, after each prayed to receive Christ, uh, one guy had a big smile on his face and one guy was sobbing uncontrollably. And I said, those are, those are just tears of the Holy Spirit. You've been washed and cleansed and made new. Wow! See, you didn't tell me this. We well, we, I, we actually spoke. To, yeah, you you were holding out. You were holding out some, I, I, some, uh, I, I, a, a very fond event. I was I was holding out, but the very idea that this man got on his feet, he just stood up, and I thought well, I didn't ask anybody to stand up. I didn't say, hey, if you would like to receive Christ, make him your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to get on your feet. I didn't say any of that. He stood yeah. up, and it kind of surprised me. I had a very exhausting day on. Friday, and it was uh, at the end of a long day, and it was kind of startling to me. <laughs> like, wow. like, well, this is fantastic. I, I was watching the Holy Spirit at work right in front of my eyes. Oh, that's a beautiful moment. Yeah, it really was. I, I, you know, normally when you're on a, a stage or a platform of any kind and somebody jumps up, you say, well, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, this is this is either I owe this guy twenty dollars, <laughs> or or he wants to pick a card really really badly. <laughs> yeah, and to your point, sometimes you need to be that seventh voice in the progression of twenty eight voices they need to hear before they make a decision. And I might have been the twenty eighth voice or the seventh voice, uh, but when the Holy Spirit chooses to do that transformative work in the life of a person. Uh, whether it's seven times or twenty-eight times or one hundred and twenty-eight times, you know that's that's the Lord's the Lord's call. And I was I was so energized, I was so over the top, happy, joyful. I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, there's nothing that makes m- me happier than to witness something someone going from dead in their sins to alive in Christ, and and yeah. God allowing me to be part of it. Well, I mean, and you know my story. I mean, I came to Christianity via New Age. I know. Let's hear your story after the break, because your story yeah. is fantastic. Patrick Albanese is my guest. He is my friend, my colleague, my confidant from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Be right back. 
Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. So glad to have my friend Patrick Albanese to get the week started. I always think that it's uh, merry heart is like good medicine, like it says in Proverbs. I love a nice smile or a laugh to get the week started. There's plenty of difficult things that go on in the life of everybody who tunes into Faith Radio. So if you get a smile to get things started, I'm happy. So Patrick, uh, right before break, you were talking about your uh, entrance ramp into your journey. Prior to coming to faith in Christ, you were kicking the New Age tires, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, I I did more than kick the tires. I uh, I did a short term lease, you might say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you get twelve thousand miles a year on that, and uh, I, you know, and it just I I had moved to uh, Florida. I was walking down the street, and there was a little bookstore. It was a New Age bookstore, and I just meandered on in, and it turned out it was also a church. And it might have been taxidermy too, for all I know. <laughs> you, you, you just you multitask at a place like uh-huh. that. But um, I, I started finding some of these, you know, these new age books, and I, and they were I found them pretty fascinating. You know, my my mom used to always she wanted me to get back to going to church, and uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church. We went, I'll say it religiously, right? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, after my father died, you know, a lot of us, a lot of my siblings and I, uh, struggled going to church because, you know, I, I had this year where, uh, you know, in a 12 month period my, my father and both of my grandfathers died, you know, my dad, then six months later, his dad, then six months later, my mom's dad. And so, yeah, I'm a 13 year old kid and, uh, going on 14. And so you, you just start to, you say, well, I, this doesn't seem fair. This doesn't seem right, and so uh, you know it's it's not uncommon for people to say, "Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm not happy with God right now." You know, I, I what do you understand at 13 or 14 years old? Mm-hmm. But my mom was always hoping that I, you know, all of us would get back to the church, and you know, a few years later, I meander into this bookstore, and then I, I really, I, I found it pretty fascinating, and then they, I started going to their church services, and I found the people interesting and fascinating, but. You know, after a couple of years of going there, I, one of the things I noticed, I said, you know, you guys quote scripture an awful lot over here, I noticed, <laughs> but uh, it seems like you just kind of like pick some stuff, you know, and you say, hey, as the Bible says. So obviously you're using that as a reference for whatever you've developed here, which is which is great. And it did start to make me more curious you know, to the point where I actually went and purchased a Bible and said, well, if they're going to quote it and go into it, well, let me dig into that a little bit more. And, you know, slowly over time, you know, I finally started checking out some Christian churches. I, I, of course, I hid in the back, you know, please, you know, no cookies, no postcards. (laughs) Don't don't (laughs) ask me to raise my hand. I just, I'm checking this out and I, I, Mm -hmm. I want the freedom to be able to, to leave uh, when everybody's looking the other way. 
because uh, I just thought I felt safer that way. Uh, you know, I remember a conversation with my mom once, you know, I now I've told this story where she said, we well, you know you could, and that's where you're going to meet a nice girl. Because of course, yeah, I'm living in Los Angeles at the time and, and dating is pretty tough there. And she said, well, you'll meet nice, you'll meet nice women at the church. And I, you know, I remember saying, I go, you know, mom, I just don't, I don't think, you know, God wants me going to church just to meet the girls. And I'll never forget. She says, she says, well, I don't know if he cares what it takes to get you in the door. He just wants you in the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my mom was pretty wise, you know, and, uh. But then, uh, you know, then I have my series of, you know, fluke events. You know, I often talk about how I look back in my life and say, well, here's a fluky thing that happened. And I, you know, I missed the bus one day and then I met this person who gave me a golden ticket and I was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, meeting you, which was part of the process of uh, getting a better understanding because you were, you were just the guy that answered I said, well, this is the kind of guy I could ask stupid questions and he won't dismiss me. I was always afraid that if I asked stupid questions that people would dismiss me. And you never did that. You, you, would, you, you were always very kind with, you know, that's a really good question. I'm stupid, but good. <laughs> <laughs> I was always thrilled you were asking questions. You were curious. And that was, was part, of the, part of what was exciting for me was you were genuinely interested. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, if I, you look back and you say, well, how did I get here? You know, how did I get to this understanding? You say, well, each of those steps, like voice number seven, they were the necessary part of the step. And, and I've learned not to question that stuff. Sometimes you, you end up in a place and you say, I have to see where this goes. Um, you know, I learn now, I look back, I said, it was, I was being guided all along. I just had to be open to the, to the guidance. Uh, I thought, well, you know, these people didn't just by happenstance end up in my life. It's mm-hmm. one person after another. And I said, How, look at this. And maybe they were there all along and I just didn't see them, mm. which is Beautiful. probably likely. Beautiful uh, mosaic of people that have come into your life and help piece things together. That's what we do for each yeah. other. Yeah. I mean, when yeah. you think of your, when your life, Patrick, uh, do, you, is, do you think of your life and say, I know a lot or I don't know a lot? What would be an honest answer to that question? I don't know a lot. Okay. I think that's um, you know. <laughs> my answer too. Yeah. I mean, the older I get, a couple of things. Uh, I find that I can get a lot less done in more time. <laughs> <laughs> As can I. <laughs> yeah. But also there's, there's a lot of things I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I've, I've always had kind of a, I don't want to say a naive quality about me, uh, you know, uh, you know, I often like to say, oh, how hard could it be? And you'd see something saying, maybe I could, you know, open heart surgery. I mean, how hard could that be, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's really hard, just just to let you know. Yeah, that might, I mean, the, well, the closing is hard. You know, getting, getting, getting everything opened up is not so difficult, but closing it properly. Uh, you know, I, I remember, you know, as a kid, you remember you used to send away for things, matchbox cars, you'd collect a couple of box tops after you sugared up with 14... <laughs> You know, rounds of uh, Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries, mm-hmm. you know, so you could get the free Matchbox car and you yeah. send it in and, uh, you know, but you still had to put a stamp on it and those cost money too. Yeah. Uh, and I often remember my, my parents were, you know, they were like, well, that you got to pay us for the stamp. 
So I remember we'd get these things in the mail, you know, it said postage, bulk rate, postage paid. And I said, well, I could probably draw that. So I started drawing that on the envelopes, seeing if I could just get get mail delivered. I mean, I was kind of naive. And the the mail would come back, of course. The mailman would just bring it right back to the house. So then I thought, well, the problem is if I just change the go-to address and the from address, he'll end up returning it to the place I wanted to go. (laughs) This is how uh, clever I thought I was at a yeah. very young age. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the letters came back. So that one didn't work either. <laughs> just remember, the, we had the same mailman for years. He's like, got your stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I There is a naivety that I've had, I think, even to this day, um, you know. Uh, but it's, it's helped me because it's kept me curious. And yeah. I think that curiosity is what kept me open to God. And how did your friends best serve you in your faith journey? Was it by being patient? Was it by always instigating the conversations? Uh, or were, was it better off if we kept a little quiet and let you bring up the topic? Looking back, how would you say we, we could best serve you or did best serve you? Uh, well, I think, and it's, I think it's different for everybody, right? Uh, personal preferences or whatever. But uh, for me, I think the thing that worked the best was people being open and ready to answer my questions um, you know, maybe occasionally dropping, uh, hey, you should read this passage. Here's something that kind of spoke to me, and you might find it of use if they could see I was going through anything in particular. It was always really nice if somebody could find, and we all know they exist, those Bible passages that speak to you at that moment. Yeah, that you're exactly. In. Yes. And so, you know, if you're aware of what friends and people you know are going through, uh, you probably have a good idea of, you know, here's a Bible passage that could help this person right now. And sometimes that's all it takes. Hey, you know, I just wanted to send you a passage I came across you might find interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but mostly being, you know, ready to, when, when you had that question, you said, you know, and uh, uh, it's funny. I look back now. I used to think I was so clever, right? I used to think that I was clever enough that I said, well, I don't want to you know, sit down with the pastor because I'm going to ask him some questions. I absolutely know he can't answer, and it'll probably ruin his faith. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but that's very funny. It was pretty funny, and then you realize, yeah. oh, he's been asked those questions many times, and he yeah. wants you to ask them. Yeah. Because you got to get it out of your system. Yeah. yeah. Speak, speaking of pastors, I have Pastor Brent McDougall coming on the show after this. He's going to talk about judging your neighbor. You know, I think I'm better at it than my neighbor. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> you see, so you don't even have to listen to Pastor McDougal. You no, no. As you know, go about your day. A long time ago, I I've stopped comparing myself to other people, and I do I do think that makes me better than them. I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. I'm kidding. Oh, I know. That's you are. a great topic. I know you are. Great yeah. topic. Judging your neighbor. That's what's up next. Patrick, thanks for uh, doing the show today. As always, great to talk to you, and I'll talk to you again next time. Talk to you next time. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my friend and guest to get the week started. I hope you've had a good weekend, and I'm looking forward to spending this uh, week with you. We are going to take a break, and then Pastor Brent McDougall is going to talk about judging your neighbor. That's all next.
let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Hey. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arnold. Oh, the last time I had Pastor Brent McDougal on the show, we talked about his book, Prayer Power, 40 Days of Learning to Pray Like George Mueller, and it was really helpful for me. I, I loved the content, and I loved what we discussed, and I and I loved looking at the prayer life of George Mueller. It was fascinating. And I uh, we talked to uh, Brent and said, hey, why don't you come back and do some teaching? Come on the program and do a little teaching. And he said, sure, how about I come on and we talk about judging your neighbor? I thought, hmm, okay. Well, how to stop judging and start loving your neighbor. That's probably a better, more comprehensive look at what we're going to talk about today. But that intrigued all of us, so he is back and with us today. Brent, nice to have you back on the show. Thank you. So good to be with you today. Yeah, yeah, this is a, a, you know, do not judge. Is that probably one of the most misrepresented verses in all of Scripture? It really is. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, do not judge, he was really giving a very strong teaching. You know, he was speaking, I believe, directly to the hearts of believers even today who really struggle to find that balance of uh, loving their neighbors while not compromising their beliefs. Uh, The truth is we're really quick to condemn and criticize and discriminate against other people, but Jesus' words are clear, do not judge. And so we've got to figure out what that means and how to really apply that to our lives. Okay, uh, just so you know, our ears are wide open, Brent. Go ahead. Okay, great. (laughs) Because we're interested in what does that mean? Well, let's talk about, first of all, what he's not saying. When Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying you have to turn off your discernment. He's not right. saying you don't have to, uh, or you, you can ignore, you know, the things that are happening in front of you. It doesn't mean that you're disregarding your capacity to make wise and good decisions. Uh, instead, um, we are called to be discerning. Isn't that true? Yes. Uh, we are called to be people who are constantly discerning. It's, in fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 2.15, uh, the person with the Spirit makes judgment about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. In other words, the Spirit helps us to make wise judgments through life, and by living in the Spirit, we ourselves become free from the, the judgment of, of sin, essentially the, the way in which our hearts are sinful, but now being set free by the love of Christ and the Spirit within us. So he's not saying you have to turn off your discernment. And second, when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying you have to compromise your convictions. I believe there's, there's two great lies that are currently pervasive in our culture. The first one is, if I disagree with you or how you live your life, then I must be afraid of you or I must hate you. Mm-hmm. That's just a lie. That is a lie. And it, And the second uh, lie I believe that's in our culture is that if you love someone, you have to accept everything that they do and say. Both of those things are incorrect because you can love someone and be compassionate without compromising your convictions. And then maybe a third thing that we might add to that is when Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying that you don't need wise and loving people to point out your faults from time to time, right? All of us need correction, and uh, the church's DNA is built on believers who are sharpening one another in the power of the Holy Spirit. So he's not saying turn off your discernment. He's not saying compromise your convictions. He's not saying refrain from telling other people about their faults. 
But what he is saying, I believe, is that if we want to love our neighbors well, we can't be continually focusing on their faults. When Jesus said, do not judge, he was calling out the habit of constantly finding fault in what others say and do. You know, Bill, this could be called a critical spirit. It's that way in which sometimes our minds can be so hyper-focused on the faults of others. And we ourselves become sinful when we are constantly fixating on their sins. This is what it says in Romans 2.1. We have no excuse, we who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point we judge other people, we are condemning ourselves because we who pass judgment do the very same things. So we need to understand what Jesus is saying about, about judgment. And, um, and I believe that, that uh, with the whole counsel of Scripture, we get a bigger picture as to what Jesus is meaning. Pastor Brent McDougall is my guest, and we're talking about judging your neighbor. And let's go back, if we can, Brent, to point number two about this because you love and care for somebody, and yet you disagree with them, it doesn't mean you, you stop loving them. I, I don't know if I paraphrase that correctly. Maybe you can give it to us again and explain I mean, it some more. I mean, think about it, you know, with uh, a parent and a child. You might not like something that your child is doing, but you still love them. And you might say something to them that is a word of correction, but you still very much have a, a sense of love within your heart for them. So you can certainly love somebody and still not accept or not um, believe that what they're doing is the right thing. So if we are kin in the body of Christ, brothers and sisters, and we know we can forbear with one another, still loving people, even in the midst of having to, to call out faults from time to time. Mm-hmm. And we ourselves need to be open to correction, too, because... What would we do if, if we felt like we were the only ones who had it all together? We need that correction, and we also need grace in the family of faith. Mm-hmm. What about when it comes to a family member, say, and family members you know, doing something that is just really challenging, really difficult? Maybe they just are excessively greedy, and you just look at them and you think, oh my, you're so greedy. What, what, is, what are you thinking about? And of course, you have to then evaluate your own greed and and so how do you navigate through things like that? Right. In a family system, often what happens is that families really don't navigate it well. They end up talking about the person in you know, different conversations that don't involve the actual person. Uh, they fret over things. And when that is happening, um, I believe that we're not praying for that family member. So I think the first principle is to say, Whatever you see in them, be sure to be lifting that up in intercession and uh, to humble yourself before the Lord, confessing your own sins, and then be willing to pray that that God's light would come into their lives, that they would be able to see what's happening and uh, able to to turn to the Lord to get help. So I think the first thing is is certainly to pray. And then I would say um, we need to be wise and discerning in the way that we perhaps confront someone. And so we want to always do that in a loving um, posture. We do need to be addressing the person face-to-face and not talking to someone else and then getting them to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, in families, we have these relationships that we will often know people for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, right? Mm -hmm. So the relationships are built on love, and they can withstand uh, some correction when family members 
are heading down the, the wrong path. And we do that out of love. So, Brent, I know it says love your neighbor as yourself, and I've never met really anybody that's been able to do that because I, I, mm-hmm. I don't put the same energy into caring for my neighbor as I do caring for myself. Is that fair? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I do so believe is there, that. Is there a principle there that God wants us yeah, to understand? I think it's a very interesting teaching. Jesus is just such a master teacher, of course, but when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, I, I believe, Bill, that, of course, we, we look after our own needs. We, we mostly do things for ourselves. But the truth is, a lot of times, we don't love ourselves very well. Mm. We don't see ourselves the way that God sees us. And uh, we are often very critical of ourselves and always thinking that we're not measuring up or that somehow we are, we are failing. That's not the way that God sees us. God sees us as beloved children. Uh, our identity is found in Christ's love. It's not found in us being lovable, but instead because Christ loves us. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got to you know, look at that and say, do I really love myself? Do I, do I love myself? Not in an unhealthy way, but a way that is befitting of a child of God. And then as we understand the depths of that love and, and live into that, I, I believe that actually... God helps us to focus on others, because to love our neighbors is a function of loving God. In fact, I don't believe you can love God any more than you love your neighbor. If you're not willing to love your neighbor, the the one who is close to you, the one in need, then you can't really say that you love God with a whole heart. So those two things are connected, loving neighbor as well as loving God. Mm-hmm. Brent, what if you have an, a neighbor that you would just rather avoid because <laughs> this neighbor has an extremely foul mouth using, using the Lord's name in vain all the time and is constantly doing and saying things that are just flat out abu- uh, offensive and you would rather just an, avoid them if you can. Then what? That's right. Yeah, maybe because you feel like if you are around them, then you yourself might be corrupted or you might be you know, prone to sin. Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, Jesus said of his disciples that they are in the world, but not of the world. They're able to uh, navigate life in the power of God's love and in the power of the Holy Spirit, but not become that which we see that is all around us. So I think, Bill, there's not an easy answer to, to your question, but I, but I, do, I would come back to, to praying for your neighbor, mm-hmm. making sure that you're praying for them, that you're you're trying to see the best in them. Uh, in, in, the, in that scenario that you're describing, really your, your neighbor is your enemy in some ways, you know, uh, against the things that you stand <laughs> uh-huh. for. Yeah. You know. And so what did Jesus say about our enemies? You know, love your enemies. Pray for those who would persecute you. Uh, do good to those who would not do good to you. Uh, be perfect, he said, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we're a long way from perfect, but... By God's grace, uh, we can love our neighbors. And what a powerful testimony it is when we continue to, to show good to someone that seems to not really be receptive to that good. Can I add one more thing, Bill? Well, please. <laughs> I believe that sometimes uh, we do need to put a little distance between ourselves and those who are toxic. You know, loving someone well doesn't mean you have to be around them all the time. So there are some times where a neighbor who is just foul-mouthed and uh, offensive in many ways, I don't believe it's, 
it's ungodly to say that, that you need a little bit of distance. And maybe that's just a time of reflection and, and trying to understand how you can, how you can love that neighbor well. Mm-hmm. And then would you anticipate a prompting of the Holy Spirit for an opportunity to rebuild the bridge or to have a, an affirming conversation, or maybe there's an opportunity to invite them to come by for a lemonade in, in the summer or something? Um, those, are all, those are all great things, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, to, to put yourself on the altar and say, Lord, I'm willing to be used. However, uh, you want to demonstrate love to this person I'm willing to to step into that space. Ooh, I like that. And and to do what you what you want me to do. Yeah. Or it could be that you're planting seeds. You know, you are your your prayers are seeds, your little acts of love are seeds, and then someone else is gonna help that to grow in the future. So it's not all on you, you know. Yeah. God's God's at work uh, in every life on the planet. Some people just don't know it. Mm-hmm. So God has God has so many workers, so many so many ways to bless, and um, we can rest knowing that God is at work when we pray. I really like that line, Brent. Lord, how would you like me to demonstrate love to my neighbor? I think is that mm. what you. I think that's what you said, or show yes. love, and just yes. let let the Lord lead you in that opportunity. And I almost promise He'll bring an idea to your mind, and you'll think, "Oh, I didn't think of that." <laughs> it's that's probably because right. it came from the Lord. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, God sees things differently than we do, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and uh, he has wisdom that we don't have, and we need it. That's why depending on him again and again every day is is the only way. Mm -hmm. Pastor Brent McDougall is my guest. We're talking about judging your neighbor. If you have a a question about that, you can send it over on the text line, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Brent McDougall is also the author of Prayer Power, 40 Days of Learning to Pray Like George Mueller. We had him on the show before. It's so nice to have him back. We'll be right back. Start each week with a moment of reflection and prayer with the Faith Radio Prayer Devotional email. Sign up today at MyFaithRadio.com. Pastor Brent McDougall, we're talking about judging your neighbor. And Brent, during the break, I was thinking about as we judge each other, we oftentimes do that as a way of determining really who is trustworthy and and who is not that's right to judge is a is a very um natural kind of thing to do i think we're looking for safety mm-hmm. we're trying to understand am i safe around this person is this someone that i can trust um and so in that regard it's not it's not a, a bad thing when you mm-hmm. are trying to be discerning you know, I, I taught my kids growing up, you got to be really careful who you hang around because you're the essentially the sum of the five closest people that you hang out with. You know, mm-hmm. you're the average. That's probably what you're going to become like. So you need to be very careful uh, in that regard and see, see who's going to really have a, a positive impact on your life. So Jesus taught us that um, we are called to be holy just as he is holy. 
But then again, Jesus also had this this wonderful pattern of hanging out with sinners. You know, he he had meals with them. He 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 was able to demonstrate that there's a way to be holy while also being a, a friend to those who are not very holy. So, oh, that we would become more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And because our our really our number one priority in in this world is to be representing Christ and and sharing him to the lost and broken world. Um, we, we also need to be of good reputation and have character. And as you are making friends, you're kind of in a way looking for people that will be building you up and lifting you up and uh, people that you'd like to be more like and people that will be challenging you as well, not making your life necessarily easier, but, but being honest and, and, and truthful with you and making you a better person. That's right. You know, the Bible has so much wisdom about uh, how to associate with people. I preached this past Sunday about uh, gossiping and not saying anything uh, that that would undermine the worth of every person in the eyes of Christ and also undermine the unity of the church. So it says in Proverbs, don't have anything to do with a gossip. I think it's really important to avoid people that have a critical spirit. You know, that type of negativity and... Um, way of just constantly finding fault or looking at the bad in life, that's not a mind that is focused on Christ. So we've got to be very careful, I think, in uh, the way that we think and the way that we act. And um, one thing I've found, Bill, to be very helpful in this regard is, is just to always be in Scripture. So be reading through the Scriptures and listening to the wisdom of God um, that's where we can find guidance for our relationships and the way that we can have that balance of, of not becoming that which we see, always becoming more uh, of what Christ wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And I love the passage out of Romans 15, verse 2, that says, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. That's so good. What a great verse, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think of just building up your neighbor, you can, you can say something to build them up, because a little affirmation... Uh, not cheap flattery, but affirmation is is very uh, is a wonderful thing. Just do something good for them, you know. Bless them, uh, even if they're not blessing you. Uh, wherever Jesus went, things got better. You know, he made life better for people. He um, helped people to to rise beyond their um, their sins. He helped people to to see uh, their potential as those who are created in the image of God. And so to do good for your neighbor is, is just a way of affirming them and uh, trying to see something good in them, just as God does. Mm-hmm. There, there are so many, so many things that you could do, from um, a help in the, in the yard um, to doing something nice for them, uh, cooking something. I had a neighbor recently that came by that brought me some barbecue. And I tell you, Bill, barbecue is my love language. All right. And so <laughs> yeah. it immediately blessed me. And, you know, it just, it just changes the whole relationship when mm-hmm. you do good to others. And then when you keep in mind, uh, Brent, when, when you think of a neighbor that may not have a personal relationship with Jesus, that that person at, at this point would very possibly die in their sins and face eternity in hell. So that, that should be a, a constant motivator uh, for us to go about life with a sense of urgency that we don't know how long we'll be 
have access to our neighbors. We don't know how long they'll live or will live. So to try to make uh, full advantage, take full advantage of every opportunity we have. That is such a good word. Today is the only day we've got, right? No, this is the absolutely. only day we have promised. Life is so short. And I think about all the, the days, Bill, that I've wasted in the past, you know, and, and the opportunities that I've missed. But more and more I realize this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day for worship. This is the day for witness. This is the opportunity I've got to love my family well, love my neighbors well. and You know, to make the most of it, I think, brings glory to God. Mm-hmm. So, Brent, what are some other thoughts about uh, judging your neighbor? Uh, you've done a beautiful job so far. I, I know you've got more material for me. Yeah. Well, you know, let's think practically. You know, how do we... We talked about some, some things you can do just to love your neighbor, but let me give just a couple of thoughts on how to stop judging and start loving. And I do want to underscore that when you are judging your neighbor in a critical unloving way, you're really not loving your neighbor. You are, you're doing the opposite. You can't do both at the same time. So here's a, here's a first idea. When we feel tempted to judge someone, then we can ask God to help us to see the best in them. We can take a moment and ask the Lord to reveal something positive about that person. And again, this is what Jesus did. He loved messy people. He ate with tax collectors, he talked to adulterers. He talked to women, uh, even women with a bad reputation. He was always going out of his way to see the best in people. It's because he loved people. That was the secret of, uh, of his life on earth. He was filled with God's love. And as he loved people who were imperfect, the ultimate expression of that was that he died for those who were broken. He gave his life for those that didn't have it all together. It says in Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And if Christ died for me and Christ died for my neighbor, then I think I can find a way to look for the best in my neighbor. So there's a, there's sort of a first idea to let God change our minds and help us to see the best in someone else. Mm -hmm. And then perhaps another kind of follow up to that is when we, when we feel tempted to judge someone, instead find a way to serve that person. You know, turn that impulse in a different way. Well, I like if that. Of, if we're critical of someone in particular, maybe that is the very person that Christ wants you to serve. Maybe that is the very one God is calling you to reach and to, and to share the love of God with. So uh, I love, uh, I just heard the beautiful praise song called graves to gardens this is what god does he he turns the broken places whole again he he turns graves into gardens you know bones into armies he can turn a situation around on a dime and so we can take a, a really bad moment when we're tempted to judge and actually turn it into a moment of grace to care for somebody well and we do that by laying down our lives again and again for the people that that god loves and that we are called to serve Mm-hmm. Hey, Brent, one of the arguments against Christians that always seems to surface to the top is that we, we're considered judgmental. We're always trying to impose our views on others. Um, I'd love for you to make a, a comment about that. We won't have about a minute left. Right. It's a, it's a really important thing that Christians need to consider because we have gotten a reputation for being judgmental. 
we have become more known for what we are against than what we are for. And I believe, Bill, there's a there's a place for repentance here and to say, Lord, if we have become judgmental, then now we are reaping what you said. Do not judge or you will be judged in return. People are judging the church for mm-hmm. being judgmental. The best that we can do is to seek to to live lives from here on that are that are uh, seeking to be both loving and discerning in, at all times, not doing anything to contribute to that perception of judgmentalism, but instead just being wise and doing what we can today so that, um, so that maybe just one or two or even just a handful of people through our lives can be blessed in the, in the weeks and the months ahead. We can mm-hmm. make a difference. Yeah. Brent, I like hanging with you. Thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, Always enjoy it. Thank you yeah. so much. And uh, did your team win yesterday? <laughs> Not that I care, but did did they? Tennessee has lost two at the buzzer beater uh, <laughs> in, in the last couple of games. So, yep, it's all right. You know, yeah. uh, as we we'll find a way in the future. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bill. Enjoy yep. it. Yep. We'll take a break, and we will be back with the Monday afternoon mix. A little a uh, little out of order today, but you know that happens once in a while. Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.